This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 78, where we're talking about Luke Cage, season one, episode four, Step in the Arena. Welcome back, Defenders, to episode four of our Luke Cage coverage, Step in the Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I'm one of your other gladiators, John. Rounding out the group of this treason, I am Chris. Surely that should be roundhousing out the group. Oh. Shouldn't it? Mm. The roundhouse kick at the very beginning did knock Luke Cage over, so let's not go there. (laughs) That's true. That's true. A powerful roundhouse kick. Welcome back to our coverage of Luke Cage. We're on to our fourth episode of the show so far. Uh, Third of the way through right now. Yeah, about that. Yeah, this, yeah. this is the big intro and creation of Luke Cage. Yeah, big origin tale here. <laughs> yeah, definitely enjoyed this one. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, listeners, again for our uh, for our coverage of Luke Cage. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can subscribe to us over at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes uh, to subscribe to us through iTunes, or you can pick us up through any good or evil podcast catcher just by searching for Defenders TV Podcast or Luke Cage, actually, will probably come up when you search under that. Uh, if you want to send us any kind of feedback as you watch through the episodes, uh, just email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Or, of course, you can come over and join us on our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast. With all that out of the way, what did you guys think of this episode? Are you ready for flashbacks? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> really, it was like flashback, no flashback. Flashback, no flashback. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We were looking forward to this one, though. This was good. Yeah, I, I like that. It certainly uh, took away from the the big dig. I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting them out of the hole that had been created by Cottonmouth's uh, bazooka. That's true. At least we knew from the start that Luke Cage was alive. I was speculating on the last episode that maybe this was the end of Luke Cage <laughs> and we wouldn't return to him until episode 13. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. Like It was part of me thinking that this kind of flashback was him telling Connie why he could lift those big mm-hmm. chunks of concrete. So I, I was a bit... It, it felt a bit strange when he says, um, you can't tell them what you saw. So mm-hmm. I, it wasn't, but I, I was thinking as we watched it that it was that kind of flashback where yeah. you know, originally he's unconscious, he, his mind's floating back to that, but then once he's awake helping Connie, that as he's moving all this stuff, he's just recounting the tale to her because yeah. she's like, what? She's that cat again. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> she, she's, she's the cat gif. I mean, she's going, oh, <laughs> surprise cat. You know? We definitely need to do some video podcasting. <laughs> anyway, before we get into our spoiler-filled coverage of Luke Cage, episode four. Can I ask one question before we do? Does everyone feel it was a faithful adaptation? I think we'll get into that when we okay. get into the episode okay. discussion. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but this is a spoiler-filled discussion. If you haven't seen the episode four of Luke Cage, Step in the Arena, go off and watch it and then come back to us and we'll uh, we'll spoil it from here on in. Are you back? Have you gone? Are you there? <laughs> Welcome back. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> So this episode of Luke Cage was written by Charles Murray. Uh, Charles has done some work over on Sons of Anarchy and also wrote for two Star Wars cartoon series for the Clone Wars and for and for Rebels. So uh, he yeah. does have a hand in the Star Wars universe as well. So Disney strikes again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or the Disney strikes back. 
<laughs> or Return of the Disney. Return of the Disney. Right. <laughs> uh, and the episode itself was directed by Vincenzo Natale, who is known for a lot more creepy horror movies. He's done The Cube and he's done Splice. Splice <gasps> was creepy and weird as hell. Uh, I remember that. And what's oh. The Cube? Cube is another creepy, weird sci-fi movie. They were trapped in a cube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, actually, it's four people, four or five people wake it's not up the in one a cube. With, yeah. uh... No, not the one with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, no. but Splice is worse. Splice is weird. Splice is just really—it's it, a fantastic film, but don't watch it with your family or your no. partner. No, definitely, it's not. just. Kind of, or you're if you if you are a mother or a father, do not watch it with your kids. It's, yeah, actually, yeah. that's the one I'd recommend most. Yeah. Don't don't watch it with your kids. Anyway, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with this episode of Luke Cage? Sure. As Luke Cage and Connie are trapped in the rubble of the collapsed building, Luke begins to recall his earlier life and the origin of his super strength and powers. Originally known as Carl Lucas, a former law enforcement officer, he is sent to Seagate Prison, a private prison facility, for a crime of is it pride, power, or pussy? Closed down and angry, Lucas begins to open up to Squabbles, another inmate, and the psychiatrist, Dr. Reva Connors, who runs the Inmate Anger Management Program. She has her work cut out. Seagate, however, is not all it appears to be, and a prison guard named Albert Rackham forces Carl to become part of an illegal underground gladi- gladiatorial fight scene. Lucas attempts to rebel against Rackham with the help of Reaver and Squabbles, but after finding out Carl's plan, Rackham has Squabbles killed and sends inmates Shades and Comanche to beat him down. Suffering fatal injuries, Reaver begs prison doctor Noah Bernstein to use an untested medical experiment on Carl Lucas to help him recover. However, the experimental treatment is sabotaged by Rackham, but in doing so, the procedure confers powers and abilities on Carl Lucas. With Cuffs and Tiara, Lucas escapes from Seagate and meets up with Reaver, who alters his records, and he renames himself Luke Cage. Back in New York, under the rubble, Luke Cage helps Connie to safety, and in doing so, becomes a local hero. I'm Luke Cage. With no Tiara or Cuffs. <laughs> They're cool. I want them. I could rock them down the high street. I think we're definitely going to be talking about the costume. Uh, as we go on through the costume? Episode, I don't we? know what you're talking about. I really could rock that kind of tiara. Really? Yeah, really? like it's proper masculine. They just the, the connection around his jaw. It was just like it looked like a full on. You know those kitty helmets. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I think we should really get into this as our first point. The way we cover our episodes, as you know, listeners, if you've been joining us for Luke Cage coverage, is we take five points and we discuss them, uh, each taking five points. Usually, I think we're going to have a lot of crossover in our points in this episode. And one of the points, obviously, is we get to see Luke Cage's costume from the 70s in full form in this episode. Yeah, this is great. Totally not expecting it. I'd seen the clip, uh, obviously, of him with the tiara on. Kind of suspected that we get the arm bracelets or that the, the uh, cuffs. wrist yeah. guards, the cuffs. Bracers. Uh, kind of expected that we'd see that from, again, from the clips that we'd seen in the trailer. Did not expect the yellow shirts and, and the pants. <laughs> the blouse. The blouse. It was a full-on yeah. blouse. That Proper was like that, even, that was a woman's blouse that he threw on. Absolutely. And loved it. Loved the moment when he sees himself in the reflection in the car and goes, you look like a damn fool, and then takes off the tiara <laughs> and doesn't change anything else that's what he thinks looks ridiculous the whole outfit hilarious moment do you think he had his little booties on as well I which think, we didn't see I think I think he might have if he found a Maybe. pair of boots uh, somewhere but I, but I thought it was really cool to be able to do this we've talked about how serious the show has been so far there was a little bit of humour in the first and second episodes a little bit not a huge amount 
This was full on, let's have a bit of fun with the costume that could have been his costume for the entire series had it been in somebody else's hands. Look, this is fantastic that they were able to work it in. And I mean, it did. It looked cool. The fact that he had his beard as well Mm -hmm. and and his hair is all grown out, then it looked absolutely like the Luke Cage from the comics. Yeah. Um, Just so good. And I mean, him stepping out of that kind of experimental chamber uh, after it had been sabotaged and he's got the tiara on and the cuffs. Like, great. Really, really good. Props to... um, to the writers and creators for getting this into this series. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and for me, I I really have to say, like, it's... I know a lot of people wouldn't have got this reference, and I think that's fair. you still got to remember that Marvel and Netflix, so the Chio Coker, the Stephen DeKnight... The, and as well, probably Kevin Fahey's in there. They're all in there. This is still Marvel. So I think the, the great thing is that this is built for us. And this was a fair 60 seconds, 90 seconds of pure fan homage. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone else was like looking at it going, that's a bit, that's a bit strange. Yes. Why is a man dressing in a girl's blouse? Uh-huh. Who cares? But I like that they it's gave a, it. Yeah, they, they gave a good explanation for it. He's broken out of prison. He has no shirt on because of the experiments that's been done on him. He swam across the across the bay to get to get there. First clothes he finds happens to be a woman's yellow blouse, and true, he puts it on. True. You know, he makes did, sense. But I love that it, it laid out so well, yeah. exactly like the costume from the. 70s. He did very have cool. the very much the Hulk. The mm-hmm. old 70s Hulk ripped shorts yep. going yep. on. And I was like, oh, please let them be purple. We never see what color. No. They look a, a tan grayish. They look kind of like jeans, yeah. I think. Yeah, a little bit like jeans. So I- basically, he was wearing, he's a tall, six foot something man wearing a bright yellow blouse, mm-hmm. a tiara, bracelets, short shorts, yep. hot pants. It was really fantastic. It, it was great to see that they paid homage Homage, homage, whichever way you want to pronounce it, to this very camp character costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Really, absolutely. really enjoyed it. Yeah. Chris, with that over, do you want to take us on to your first point? I do. Um, so I want to talk about the experiment mm-hmm. straight out. It's not really quite clear whether it, what's going on in the experiment. Yes. We see, we know there are experiments. Yes. But is this an experiment? Mm. Is this not? This was apparently just supposed to make him heal faster, according to Riva. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. So where the extended strength and stuff comes from, that, that started using extra questions. So is this the same Noah Burstein's experiments that were in the comics that were trying to recreate the super soldier, mm. uh, Captain America, the formula that, that make, gave, made Captain America Captain America? Mm-hmm. And if we think about timeline here, this is probably happening prior to Cap being found right. at the end of Captain America. Interesting, yeah. It maybe, could be. It would make yeah. sense, yeah. I think, but just based on what we know. It's possible. And so they're usually good at existing in a, a side-by-side world, so mm-hmm. that's why I do think this is kind of what we're getting here. So I said, this is the questions I have. Mm. We see a very nice Easter egg back to Jessica Jones regarding this experiment in a yellow USB. That's right. That Reva has. This yep. is the one that has everything Kilgrave related mm-hmm. experiments on and it. More. And yep. more. Is this the super soldier serum? 
experiments and Kilgrave was actually part of that. There was an extension. So give not just power of body, but power of mind. Mm. For a flashback episode that's supposed to answer all your questions, this has left me with like, what? What? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So obviously this is another one of the big points of the episode. But there's two things going on, I think. There's a conversation between Riva and Luke that's happening about experiments that are taking place within the facility. Um, there's rumours that one of the inmates has had experiments done on him and that got his sentence cut short, which is actually the storyline in Luke Cage comic book. That's why he takes the experiments on Diverstein. He's going to take the experiments so that he can get a, set, a shorter sentence and get out of the prison early. So that's one side of the experiments. What I think the other side is, is just a healing thing that the doctor has built. So I think that's an experimental form of science that he's created to heal Luke Cage, but I don't think it's connected to the experiments. I don't think he pushes people into that to give them shorter sentences, but he may have done it to build it at one point. And the other side of it, the experiments that have been done on the inmates in the prison, I think that's all the information that Reva has on that USB stick, along with Kilgrave's experiments. But that doesn't explain the kids from unless the kids were at Seagate yeah I, I don't know whether it's yeah. all about Seagate or whether there's a bigger power at play here yeah yeah. I suppose for me it, there, there was also the question um, you know and Luke Cage or Carl Lucas asked this which was you know where are the people that he's beaten down uh, where have they gone they mm. seem to be going vanishing um, and the thing is as well it kind of links into a few of my other points but um, you know so I, I'm just going to throw it out here as well you know the, there was that moment where you know the camera focuses on a what looks like a security camera or even just a TV camera uh, looking at this ring that yeah. the the fighting is yeah. taking place on like who is behind that because um you know the prison guard albert rackham is there he's at the ringside mm-hmm. um you know with other guards so who is it is it the doctor or is it someone else you know or is it just a security camera i think they just quickly referenced that it was uh it was a camera that's connected to the internet so it seems like they're selling these fights that's where some of the extra money is coming from they're selling these fights on the internet between inmates kind of like I don't know that the homeless people fights that used to happen in the nineties. You know, oh, okay. I thought I thought there was more to it than that. I just I, I didn't catch that at all. But there but, could be um, more people behind it. Though. But then as well, Reva is very much adamant that there are no experiments taking place in Seagate. Um, she kind of promises that to to Luke. So, um, like it gets a bit confusing as to actually what the hell is going on in this episode. Mm. Um, and I mean, it is one of the things which it's a faithful kind of origin, but it asks way too many questions and hopefully we'll get answers to them uh, over the course of the rest of the season but I mean to what extent they're going to start focusing on Reva's story or is it going to be Luke Cage's from now on yeah. because if this is all we get it, it's a bit of a strange episode right. quite frankly and um, to have all these kind of little mysteries going on in, in a back story which may be don't get fully played out. Mm. Um, like there is that moment in in the end credits as well, which you spotted, where there is the young uh, Carl Lucas, the young uh, Willis Stryker, um, that come up on the end credits of this episode. Yet they're not in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like that's a bit of a mystery in itself, or is it just? Um, the wrong credits that were rolling. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's it's really difficult to know. And uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't necessarily see why there needs to be that amount of mystery in, in this episode, right. unless they 
ultimately uh, play it out along uh, the, the the next set of episodes. The the one thing to remember is Doctor Bernstein in the comics became a supporting character throughout the comics. Right, right. So this may not be the last we see of him. Mm-hmm. We saw him in Seagate, and now maybe in say let's say episode six or seven. He started, that's threaded back through. Maybe, yeah. In terms of, and then he could be one of the big bads as part of the Defenders mm-hmm. piece. So he is running experiments that created, or he's overseeing experiments, where he's one arm of the experiments that also the other arm created Kilgrave. Yeah. One arm created a superpowered inmate. Mm-hmm. One arm created Captain America. Right. Right, very, for yeah, possibly. Uh, like they're very at, at great pains to point out that he is still alive after the experiments, and that Rackham isn't. So yeah. it's very specific as Luke, as Carl Lucas leaves the prison, that uh, that the scientist is still alive, but or, uh, Albert Rackham doesn't look alive. Yes, he doesn't look alive. Yeah, that was my bit. I We've was been like, caught before on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But like, he yeah. just had glass in his face. But he's right there by the explosion. Yeah. So, like, because Noah Bernstein goes back to the console as it starts to charge up, Mm. I presume, to try and bring it down, uh, the the levels or the power or whatever. Um, Whereas Albert Rackham is right there as the whole thing blows. Yeah. What if Rackham's the super-powered individual for the rest of the series? You never know. He got powers as well. Mm -hmm. He was a cop. He he liked the body blows. That can be a joke when the later fight as well. And but he got powered and he had he has bits of glass embedded in himself. He's not the real so Diamondback mm-hmm. who we mentioned isn't the real Diamondback. Rackham is because he had glass all down his back that looks like diamonds. You never know. Could be. That's a really good theory. Interesting idea. Interesting idea. We will. We will definitely check out that one as we go. It's it's not going to work out. I know. But like, let me let me go with my theories. Absolutely. (laughs) But let's lay this story out pretty quickly. Okay. So obviously, we've watched every episode of Jessica Jones, right? Mm -hmm. We've got these. We've got this show here, and now we're seeing the backstory of Reva. So let's just put it together. So obviously, spoilers here for Jessica Jones. If you haven't watched that again, you probably have to turn off this podcast, go back, watch it, and come back because this is this spoils. Pretty much the entire arc of Jessica Jones, right? So what we know is Carl Lucas went to prison, met a lady there called Reva, who was working with the doctor, right? Yeah. Um, they eventually ended off getting together, hooking up. She gets killed by Kilgrave to take this USB stick that has all of his information and others on it, is what he says in the show. There's other information on it, other experimentation that's on it, right? Um, and at the end of the series... That USB stick is handed to Jessica Jones yeah. with all of the information on it, but she doesn't look it up. At the that end, we know. At the end of the series, yeah. she hasn't researched exactly what's on that USB stick. So that possibly connects into the Defenders. Yep. Yeah. That's the next big arc that's going to happen is what's on the USB stick, who's, who is controlling everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So there is already an explanation in, in world, in universe, in the Netflix shows so far as to what all this backstory is. But you kind of need to connect it all backwards, yes. I suppose, is, the, is, is part of the problem. You right? will have had to watch Jessica Jones and Luke Cage to and understood and track back a small USB. Mm-hmm. So this could be very something very small that is kind of like for, for people who do watch these shows eagle-eyed. Mm-hmm. But it's also just they hopefully will give more than just these small pieces of information. Yeah. I think that's the key as the writers and directors need to do. Otherwise, 
it is only people like us three and our our listeners and the guys in the groups who kind of meticulously look at these and analyze these shows. Yeah. Who would really go, oh, yeah, you remember the yellow? Like, it's more, I know my mother, my sister, my, my girlfriend will not have gone, oh, that's the yellow USB from Jessica Jones. Absolutely, absolutely. And to be honest with you, at that opening scene when uh, when they're sitting in the support group and the, uh, the anger management group, I didn't even know that was Reva to begin with. It took me a couple of minutes to get my head in around that. We saw her a little bit in Jessica Jones, but not enough to be able to pick her out of a crowd uh, until it was mentioned that she's Dr. Connors. Yeah, yeah, so. but I think as well at this moment in time, we don't know the importance of them showing that yellow USB. Is it just simply there to reference that, look, this is Reva and this is the same person in Jessica Jones? You know, I mean, she, she has the, she has the, the moment where she says, I didn't always used to be a doctor. So Mm -hmm. what was she? Is she, is she more of a hacker in that she's hacked different, um, uh, computer systems in Mm -hmm. order to get research information or whatever? Because at that moment, she's effectively doctoring and, and deleting aspects of Carl Lucas's records so that he can escape and then he obviously changes his name. So, and maybe this is where this element starts off. Uh, but that's the thing at this moment in time, it's difficult to be able to judge the yeah. importance of that one second of seeing the yellow USB key. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely ties it back to Jessica Jones, but only in the sense that that's Reva. But she and, does say that she's going to tell him about the experiments. So like, she knows more. I'm also wondering, is it connected to her brother? Uh, is the reason why she got this job in Seagate because her brother, who she says was in prison and lost himself, she knew he was in trouble, she couldn't save him. Is this her attempt at saving other people who are in the same kind of circumstance as her brother? Mm. Was he ill-treated? Did he go through the Fight Club thing and got... And went through the experimentation and was killed because of that. And she couldn't help him out. Is that why she's doing this investigation? Is that why she's gone through this whole process? You know, there's there's, there's definitely some intriguing other elements about Reva. I don't honestly think it's the last we're going to see of Reva. I think we are going to see a bit more uh, backstory. But there is already enough there that it's connecting to this storyline that's that we've already seen throughout Jessica Jones, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mm-hmm. say, but I, I still think it doesn't tie in with the first three episodes. You know, the first three episodes are about Harlem. It's about Cottonmouth. It's about Diamondback. I suppose ultimately it will depend on when we see Diamondback and who it is. Yeah, you know, that's a great theory that that Chris has got this potential that it it is actually the prison guard Rackham. It could also be, you know, Willis Stryker. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say. The end credits had uh, young or boy Willis Stryker, yet he's not in there. Yeah. So I think until certain things play out, we may not understand fully mm-hmm. the importance of, of of some of the elements here. Um, I mean, to an extent, we don't even know what crime he's in there Absolutely. for. Um, you know, he's he's a police officer, and I suppose actually this comes back to uh, what Chris said about you know. Is it faithful to the the origin? And I think it is, quite frankly. But they have done some alterations to it, which mm-hmm. uh, will be interesting to see whether that's in service of a, a larger arc connecting to Jessica Jones and the Defenders or not. But, I mean, at this moment in time, I also want to know more about Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, I'm not 
really fully want to go back to Jessica Jones or, or you know, as long as they don't do the thing that, you know, Joss Whedon complained about with regards to Age of Ultron, where they're having to put in stuff to feed a, a bigger story, which is fantastic, but it, it can't come at the expense of actually this Luke Cage story either. Of course, of course. Um, but I think his, his story and Reva's, and Reva's story are integ- integral to yeah. you know, why Luke is who he is. So it's cool to see a bit of backstory. So it's, it's more to do with the USB key. I mean, absolutely, Luke and Reva's um, thing is is linked together. But it's to do with uh, these other aspects of if it is connecting in with Jessica Jones that deeply or, or whatever. So, um, and, and within an origin... You know, unless we're going to start getting more origins throughout that, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it becomes more difficult, I think. Which kind of brings me on to my next point. I liked the other elements that we did learn about Luke in this episode. I loved this kind of twist on it, that he was a former law enforcement officer. Uh, the fact that for whatever crime he's gotten convicted for, he's gotten 90 years in prison for it. So quite serious. But there is the call out from Rackham that uh, this crime, whatever it is, wouldn't get you 90, 90 years in prison unless you've done something to really piss off somebody in a high position, you know? Um, that's quite interesting. I wonder who that is supposed to be. Who is the person that he's that he's hit up against uh, high enough that would have got him in prison for 90 years? Uh, that's quite interesting. I also love the setup at the beginning of the episode showing you that he isn't powered. The fact that he gets a punch in the stomach at the beginning of the episode um, showing that he's not powered... Uh, because we've seen him getting punched and shot in the stomach all the way throughout the season. The next thing you see him do is punching the walls in the prison, uh, showing that he's uh, that he again is in power because he's got blood all over him. Um, I like those little touches just to show you that we're in a different place here. This is a flashback. This is before he gets the powers. So good to know. We knew we knew there was going to be an episode that was going to be a flashback to where he got the powers, but it's nice to have this kind of setup at the beginning, just in case you're not aware of that i suppose well the other thing was the big beard and the hair kind of uh-huh. gave it away well <laughs> 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 it was like yep yeah. remember how new cage like 30 seconds ago was like bald with a really trimmed beard well look at him now <laughs> uh-huh. exactly i like the fact that it was all kind of keyed back to seagate mm-hmm. like this is a in the comic books a quite notorious prison yep. you hear about it quite a lot it is based in georgia Mm-hmm. We know that now he originally said Georgia was one of his hometown yeah. or where he grew up. So we know that he could have been a cop there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, I do very like awesome. the fact as well, they have some of the history there as well. So in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Justin Hammer uh, apparently went there. So I'm wondering if we get another flashback, will we see Justin Hammer just waltzing past? Mm-hmm. Very could possible. Could be interesting. Very possible. Especially when we think of uh, Shades... And his crew mm-hmm. were in that same prison. And now, potentially, Shades and his crew with Diamondback are selling weapons as well. Justin Hammond weapons, etc. Very true, yeah. Um, Mandarin, played by Ben Kingsley. Mm-hmm. He ended up at the end of Iron Man 3 uh, in Seagate as well. Mm-hmm. And then in one of the one shots, I think it's Hail the King. Yes. Hail to the King. He was broken free by the uh, the, the Ten... The, 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 the ten actual, rings, the ten yeah. rings. So uh, again, I thought that was quite, again, there's lots of history there. Mm-hmm. And I think by adding things in, like the comment Reva makes about, um, there's no millionaire in the basement. Mm-hmm. There's no, uh, what's it? Tupac didn't die. It, it didn't die and he's alive on this island. Yeah. All these little things that give it a bit more history because again, it's, 
the people like us that kind of know that this is a place that's notorious with kind of the universe mm-hmm. where some other people are kind of going, oh, it's just like Alcatraz. Yeah. And they then they kind of play on these things as well. Absolutely, yeah. But is Reva lying? Because she says she, there's no experiments and so on, yet there obviously is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tupac is alive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> you know, so like, and like Luke Cage calls that out to her in yep. the hotel room. So exactly. I mean, it, it could still be that there is, um, it is a private institution as well. It's not a public prison. That's right. So yep. um, that millionaire and who that person is, um, it could quite easily be um, a much bigger force. It could be the hand. Yeah. No, honestly. If I... if Defenders and that image released in San Diego Comic Con is to be believed with the with the hand kind of like grasping the grasping, title. then all oh, the um, defenders, yeah. Then, you know, there is this aspect as well. No, and I agree with you. I think it would be I, I had a look and I was trying to do a bit of digging around a millionaire or like either a villain millionaire, mm-hmm. um, kinda of like Osborne type thing, where like Okay, maybe it was the Thunderbolts will run out of there. Thunderbolts being an Avengers-style group of villains that were publicly facing good, were actually were really bad in the comic books. Were they the Marvel version of Suicide Squad, basically? Yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. I was thinking maybe like an Osborne or something like that. Nope, no reference. So mm. This is something that's being created for the MCU, that line. And it was too deliberate of a it line. It was. Like, she's effectively saying that there are loads of rumours about this place. You've all heard the ghost stories. You've all heard about this. You've all heard about that. But this line, the millionaire locked up in a dungeon of the prison, did seem like there must be some truth in it. Are you sure you don't mean that it's the Mandarin, the millionaire locked up in the basement, or Justin Hammer, another millionaire sent to Seagate Prison? Yeah. You know, is there a reference there that we're missing? Let us know, listeners. Send Please. us to... Just come over to the group on Facebook. Let us know if you think there's some some connection there to the millionaire in the basement or the millionaire in the dungeon. Because I can't, I can't pick it up. I can't see exactly what the reference is. And we're too early in the uh, broadcast of Luke Cage on uh, on Netflix for anybody else to put it up on the internet <laughs> for us to find it yet. But anyway, with that, John, do you want to take us on to your next point? Yeah, um, I want to bring out uh, Albert Rackham from The Shadows, the prison guard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like, really, really, I think, a good villain here. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he is absolutely sadistic and he's manipulative. Um, you know, uh, I, I love that moment where, you know, in, in both cases, he, 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 he's the one trying to find out and learn about, uh, Luke Cage. And, uh, where he, he gets another inmate stabbed by effectively his henchmen who are inmates as well. Um, which is, uh, Shades and Comanche, which is the other, uh, member here who I don't think we've seen outside of the prison. This is the first, um, view of Comanche. Um, but he, he uses Luke's relationships to, um, to his own ends in order to force Luke Cage to become this gladiator in this, 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 uh, sort of illegal underground, uh, boxing ring and fight ring down, uh, in Seagate prison. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and even then when he finds out that Luke Cage has feelings for Reva and he goes, you know, that wasn't wise letting me know that there's two people in here that you, you care for. Like really, really good. Um, I must say, uh, just, 
I love the the threat that he brought to Luke Cage because I I think as well just because you know it's before he's super powered so it's really interesting seeing that vulnerable side to Luke Cage or, or you know Carl Lewis yeah. because he is vulnerable he has these weaknesses apart from the physical weaknesses that he has i mean he's still pretty strong but he can still get taken down that weakness of his attachment to other people is still there probably now that he's got the unbreakable skin and you know again we were talking about it in the last podcast about you know he's surrounded by death and here squabbles is killed because of him because he's trying to escape this um enforced fighter role and squabbles is unfortunately at the wrong end of uh Albert uh, Rackham here. Uh, so really enjoyed this portrayal here of, of this this prison guard who comes from the origin as well. Uh, and I just played really malevolently here in, in this tale. Yeah, yeah, I love this actor. I remember him from Generation Kill as well. He's got a real presence about him. We've said that word so many times, but he's got he's got that kind of uh, that kind of aggression underneath where he knows he's in the right, he knows he's able to control everything around him. Um, he seems like the man in power here in uh, in Seagate Prison and is controlling everything uh, all the way through from, again, having some some other inmate shivved um, to get Luke on side. Uh, that was really tough. I'm kind of going, who was the other inmate? Who was the guy that just got like stabbed <laughs> repeatedly 15 times? Just because he wanted to get to get to Luke, uh, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, Albert Rackham's played by Chance Kelly, who was in Generation Kill, which was by the creators of The Wire. Uh-huh. Um, so again, even Doctor Noah Bernstein, who's played by Michael Kostroff, he was the lawyer for Stringer Bell That's in, right. in in The Wire as well. So um, again, a, a few little. Uh, uh, connections here through to the wire or the creators of wire within this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool to see these connections to to the other shows from uh, from the wire and from uh, from Generation Kill. So just, just a great actor. Really, really enjoyed him in this in this part. Have to agree. But I'm going to hijack then mm-hmm. in on this point because I want to talk about another great actor. Um, Squabbles. Yes. Reggie. Yes. What I think this was an amazing little out of nowhere. Buddy, kind of like he's a cheeky kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to like him. I thought it was just going to be another kind of, very much what he was—a walk-in character. Yeah, but he's a memorable walk-in character for Definitely. this episode. Absolutely great. Yeah, um, everything from the first conversation after they get out of uh, the workshop, the, the anger management workshop, the anger management workshop with uh, Riva, where he kind of walks up to him and he's like, talks about just going to go and. Why can't you make other friends? Because they're all like you. Exactly. I, I was, was like, great. it was just a nice and little humorous jab. Yeah. And you get the right smile back from Carl Lucas as well. Yeah. yeah. And that was just brilliant. And it was a nice shot as well. Mm-hmm. The better part was the discussion around uh, Bruce Lee versus Jet Li. Ah, super. When they're training, it, brilliant. It kind of brought it back to the 70s bit, to mm-hmm. the Kung Fu. My Fu is better than your Fu. <laughs> um, and to be honest... Carl Lucas is absolutely right. You never choose Jet Li over Bruce Lee. What's wrong with him? Yeah. Sorry. Huh? No. I, I'm completely with Reggie here. 
Oh my god, this is I, this is another <laughs> Team Iron Man versus Team Cap. And I, yeah, and I'm just a big John Woo fan. Oh, <laughs> love John Woo, but yeah. uh, but he but he can't do martial arts to save his uh, life. But I love the little dig. You're not in charge of my training. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely great. You, you can't love train that. It was nice to see him as a character who had a pivotal piece in this origin. If they hadn't have become friends. Mm-hmm. Luke or Carl Lucas wouldn't have he they he wouldn't have cared and yeah. he wouldn't have gone into the fighting ring, which basically would have left them there riding in jail for ninety years. Absolutely, um, and and once again for Luke to mention your point from uh, the last episode, Chris. Once again, if Luke hadn't got involved in Squabble's life, Squabble's probably would have been alive. He's he's survived many many years in prison uh, over and over again. Yeah, and this time he happens to befriend Carl Lucas and gets killed for it. No, and I think that's and. So you know the way we've always we always try and find th- common threads, and um, so one of them being whiskey watch and book watch. I, I have to say that's two episodes now with pretty much no books, mm-hmm. but I think the common thread is death in this series. I think so it's every every defining moment of Luke Cage's life has been around a death of some kind. And I think probably what we still don't know why he went to jail. My gut tells me there will be he was a cop. Someone got shot. Like it will either be a kid got shot or his partner got shot and died, and the kid won just because that makes things even worse for him. Mm-hmm. But like it would be something like that that caused him or his or prize power and pull. That exactly, exactly. That's what happened to him. I'm so glad this word is back in play. But as well, I mean, because I think in the comic, it's it's a it, drugs planted on him. So yeah. I wonder if that's going to just be the assumed crime here, that, and we'll never find out, or you know, is it going to play out later? Again, it, it's one of those episodes for me that I think will probably be better moving on. As, yeah. As things, yes, yeah. As they answer more and more questions, that's a lot of death in four episodes. Yeah. It's it's one one death an episode and yeah. one one death connected with Luke pretty much um, per episode. Yeah, somebody worked with in the first episode, pop in the second episode, third episode was Chico, and then this episode now we have uh, we have Reggie squabbles. So yeah, I just I, I think it's interesting. I just don't want them to like by the end of the series we've still got pretty much nine episodes left. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of characters. <laughs> 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 he is the 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 Black Widow. And by Black Widow, I don't mean Scarlett Johansson, by the way, guys. I'm not talking about Natasha Romanoff. Mm-hmm. By Black Widow, I mean the, the, there's a history behind that name in terms of a, a lady who murdered many, many husbands and, but always was just surrounded by death. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't her fault, of course, but of she ever did. <laughs> All these deaths have been fought. And I think when you have a man who is super strong and unbreakable, mm-hmm. how do you break him? Kill the people you, around him. You break the will. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like every death now is going to be hanging on him. So we now know Reggie was already hanging on him. Yeah. Reva's hanging on him. Uh, Pops is hanging on top of him. Like all these will start adding up. And I do wonder, is that potentially what we'll see at the very end of the series? A very broken Luke Cage. 
or he's going to rebound from it, one or the other. Exactly. Definitely. The other thing I absolutely loved about this, and this is one of my other points with Squabbles, is the discussion about Lisa Bonet from The Cosby Show. Just thought that was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So you got a much older guy. And again, a nice little connection here, because the other best friend we've seen of Luke is Pop. And he was significantly older than Luke, you know. Uh, I like that he's attached himself to someone he can learn something from and can teach him the ropes. But this whole idea of him, of Squabble sitting in prison looking at a TV guide from, you know, 10, 15 years ago going, doesn't Lisa Bonet look amazing? Isn't she absolutely gorgeous? And he's going, have you not seen any women from the outside world? Have you not seen Beyonce yet? Have you seen her daughter? Her daughter's amazing looking as well. She's probably gone a little bit too old for you now, as yeah. you know? Um, but Lisa Bonet is still gorgeous. Uh, I, I know that. Loads of people still love her. She's was married to Lenny Kravitz. But I love that little discussion between the two. And I think that's, uh, that's very good fun. Uh, and yeah, Squabbles or IP? Yeah. yeah. So, but... In better news, John. Yes, my next point is that Connie, Genghis Connie, is alive. Yes. She's only got a hurt leg or a broken leg or, or something, but like, it's so good that she's alive. I just like her interaction with Luke. Um, like, both of them, it, it, again, she's an older woman. And, and in this case, it's Luke, it, it's almost... You know, that friendship, you can sense it there in his protective nature towards her. But I love the fact that he has to reveal his super strength and so on to her. Um, and he just turns to her and says, the best way I can put this is I'm strong. And like, as he lifts a ton of, of, uh, reinforced concrete to, to try and get them out of the way. The fact that he, you know, he, he rescues her, brings her to safety. And kind of one of the things we were talking about last week was, you know, how public is this going to be? I love that his fist comes through the concrete, through the rubble of Genghis Connie's, and you've got not only the fire department there, but there's a guy with a TV camera pointed yeah. right at him. <laughs> uh-huh. There's the lights, spotlights on him, uh, and also then there's Misty Knight there as well. He turns around at the end and goes, I'm Luke Cage. Here is your local hero. And uh-huh. um, really, really good, and all very, very public. And like that will be... Like, fantastic for when that sweet picture frame in Cottonmouth's office turns around and the TV shows Luke Cage there still alive after his bazooka shenanigans. Like, I really like this, but for me, I'm so glad that Genghis Connie is alive. Hopefully she can rebuild. Absolutely. And that scene is, we we talked about it just before recording the episode, but that scene is definitely a reference to... Tony Stark's Iron Man, right? Yeah. That, that moment right at the end of Iron Man 1 where he stands in front of the TV cameras at the press conference and goes, I'm Iron Man. This is Luke Cage going, I'm Luke Cage. I'm I'm the guy now. So, uh, yeah, I really like that little touch there as well. Yet he is, it's not quite like Iron Man in that he is still hiding his true name, which is Carl, Carl Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. yeah. And that I kind of like is that, yes, he's absolutely public. He's out there. He's Luke Cage. Cottonmouth knows him as Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. So does, um, or so did, I should say, Pop. But he is Carl Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that mysterious Willis Stryker and Carl Lucas, the, the young boys in the credits... Will Stryker knows that he's Carl Lucas. So when his face comes public, those people that used to know him as Carl Lucas yeah. uh, will suddenly know he's still where he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's another interesting thing that will develop from this. I'm theorizing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I did like the fact that that, that end. Um, I am Luke Cage. I, I was very much expecting to be. My name is Luke Cage, and I am Paraman. <laughs> just to yeah. just to completely rip off Iron Man. Yeah. And yeah, so obviously I'm very happy to see Genghis, I mean Connie, alive. But I think one the, the bit that I did like, which kind of ties in, is because he goes, I am Luke. Mm-hmm. I am Luke. I am Groot. Um, <laughs> we now know where he got Luke from. Yes, that was quite interesting. That was it. it. Luke came from the, the Bible verse that he soliloquized like, almost. Mm-hmm. On the bed beside Riva, giving the origin of the There's church. the book. There's the Bible. Oh, the yeah, maybe. Yeah, we didn't maybe. see it, but... Yeah, no. But he quotes from the Bible. He, he quotes, quotes from, from the Bible. Bible. Yeah, yeah. No? Uh, Luke 4, verse 18. Wow, okay, I, I missed up the actual first thing. I thought you might know it off by the top of your head. Basically is, any man that thinks he's free can never be caged, effectively, or uh, locked up, or, or... So, they're always a free man, and... But he uses the cage instead. Yeah. I, I would have like it would have been really bad. Is like my name is Luke Luke Freeman. You're like ah, yeah. that is catchy. No, no, definitely. No, no, cage, definitely cage works. Cage works. A bit Plus too on the nose, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Plus, there's Gordon Freeman. So yes, you, so you can't mess Freeman. with Gordon. Yeah, there's only one Freeman. Okay, so with our with our Freeman discussions coming to an end, Derek. Do you have a, a point? I do, yes. My final point is actually normally my first point each episode has been about the song being used in the episode. But such a big amount of time was spent in this episode within the arena. Um, it was pretty obvious what uh, the, the title of this episode, Step in the Arena by Gangster again, what it was referencing. It was referencing the fact that Luke is going to be taking on all comers in this episode. He's going to be building up to the fight um, and he would be taking down people left, right and centre. The biggest part of this for me is the fact that it's showing where Luke is getting his power, his other superpower from or his other ability from. So obviously he gets, he gets healed. He gets his, uh, he gets his uh, unbreakable skin and bulletproof skin from the experiment that happens. But without this training that he gets in the arena, uh, caused by Rackham sending him in there, he wouldn't be able to use his powers the way he does. He wouldn't be able to knock people out of the way the way he does. He wouldn't be able to beat them down the way he does. Mm. So the training that he gets for months, apparently, fighting in this ring. Um, from squabbles. From squabbles and also from actually being in the ring because squabbles kind of leaves him alone after a while and he just goes in and beats the hell out of everybody left, right and center. Yeah. This is what gives him his street fighting ability. Yeah, and I mean, he he's pretty brutal as well. Like, it's Squabbles actually questions him that, you know, you've changed, you, you're becoming too violent. And I wonder yeah. if that's when that pulls him out of um, doing Rackham's work, effectively making him a lot of money on the betting, uh, and looks then to try and build the evidence, like he says, Mm -hmm. to show that Rackham has got this illegal event taking place and, you know, to try and get himself out of prison and out of this situation of being Rackham's gladiator. Absolutely. So another great choice by Chio Coker, the show, another show from another song from the band Gangstar that fits fits the episode perfectly. Well done. And the video of the actual song is also two guys with chains Wrapped around themselves fighting in a ring. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So mm-hmm. good. could possibly even have a back reference to the cage, <laughs> which is quite cool. Uh, Chris, do you want to give us your final point? Yes. My final point is I actually want to talk about the, the arena, the fights. Right. Um, I, I think we, we covered it, but what one part that kind of I was like, oh, was the Rocky montage. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, eh, come on. It was funny. And then it just continued. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> Apollo Creed Jr., mm-hmm. I think is in the latest one, Creed. Yes. Um, 
But yes, it was, it's actually, it's quite interesting to see the evolution of his fighting style. Mm-hmm. He showed that he had gusto, perhaps, in terms of he could lay a beat down on someone mm-hmm. before entering the arena. The first 30, 60 seconds of his first fight, he gets knocked the hell out, nearly. Yeah. And then he gets, doesn't even get up. He just then starts doing the, his, his style, which is the heavy beats. Yes. Um, I do wonder if this is where he also learned not to kill. Interesting. Because there was that one point where he was losing himself and then he sh- started hitting the guy and he kept hitting and hitting and there was blood and then you see the two guards running over to try and yeah. pull him away. So he, he potentially probably nearly killed someone mm-hmm. and we don't know. Maybe he killed maybe. more people. Maybe he did, yeah. There's definitely a, definitely a moment where he gets a guy around the neck and does that little snap motion that yeah. you've seen a few times. Don't don't know whether the guy's dead, don't know whether yeah, the guy's injured was... or... If he put him in, put him in a wheelchair or something, you don't see any of the repercussions that are happening here. But it's kind of suggested that some of these guys never made it back to yeah, their prison Yeah, that was a close one, right. that. It, it looked properly like he had snapped his neck. Yeah. 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 Definitely broken arm um, on yeah. one of the other guys that was attacking him. So, again, something we saw in episode three in the fight sequence that was in that episode where he was breaking arms all around him. So, learning all these abilities in, in the prison, as, yeah. I, as I said. But, yeah, there's definitely, I definitely do wonder if... Um, if some of these guys made it out of that ring, because uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Uh, Luke looked like he was taking no prisoners in there anyway. And I think that would be a nice bit where he now becomes this bib- biblical Luke, mm-hmm. and that's where he swears he will not do violence unto others. Yeah. Or not not do death unto others. Violence <laughs> is okay. Death, not so much. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's the final points for the episode. Yep. Guys, any notes about the episode? Uh, I have one note. Um, there was a nice little nod to George, George R. Romero. In um, this, which yes. was where we saw when Luke is sitting there zombie-like in the uh, recreation room, he's actually watching the original Night of the Living Dead with music and all and howling included. Uh-huh. Yeah, I should I should have recognized it when I was watching the episode because uh, it is one of my favorite films. I think I've seen it hundreds of times. <laughs> it's one of those movies that I just have on so often and didn't recognize it. I must have been writing a note at the time, but uh, <laughs> but it's so recognizable. It's uh, it's a scene when one of the characters is trying to fight off zombies with uh, with fire uh, and pushing them back. So you could you could definitely tell that's what it was. Uh, cool. Good yeah, catch. my other final note is I just wanted to put it out to you guys was the weird cut in terms of we're in the middle of a flashback mm-hmm. and then they cut to Misty and the rest of them in the viewing room where they watch the CCTV of yeah. the rocket. Yeah. That was a very harsh cut, or was it me? It was just very... Whew, Go to this and then cut back. I felt like a little bit, but I know they used, I thought they used the same kind of cut a couple more times throughout the episode. I thought the cutting between the, um, between the past and the present, I actually did think it was, it, it, it started off very jarring, but it felt sometimes the middle of a scene, it would drop back to, um, to Luke and Connie under the ground. It felt like you were in the middle of a scene in the past. And I think the same thing happened yeah. there, that it was kind of right in the middle of a scene. They kind of got all they needed out of the scene, and then they just jumped back into the flashback. It was very lost in that sense, how mm. how Lost used to sort of go between um, different times mm. late in the later seasons where it just suddenly jumped. Um, except with Lost, it felt like it was a f- it, there was a flow. Yeah. Because it was the same characters or whatever, whereas this was to different characters. So yeah, I mean, it 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 did kind of jolt a bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. The main things from that is that they're looking at the CCTV footage, 
there's obviously the moment where Raphael is, you know, Mr. You go off and do this. I'll check on the video footage, presumably to get rid of it or to doctor it. Mm. Oh, yeah. He asked for hard copies. Yeah, yeah. So, or at least to pass it on to Cotton Meds. Exactly. Knows what's being seen. I have to say, I was so suspicious of him in this episode because of obviously what happened last episode. You know, he's on the payroll of Cotton Meds. That. The point when he's saying to Misty, I'm going to go off and just see if those if that footage is there. And when we get back to the uh, precinct, it'll be waiting for us. I thought he was just going to tell them to destroy all the yeah all of the camp footage. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't though. So fair dues to him. Like he's still he's still kind of working for the police and still kind of working yeah. on the right side. He doesn't destroy the footage, so she gets she does get the opportunity to see the rocket flying in. But potentially he got rid of one camera that had a different shot with Cotton Mouth firing the rocket. Potentially, you know, and um, he did say one of the cameras. Uh, the footage wasn't working, and the second camera, the um, the registration place was uh, was uh, too fuzzy on it to be able to see whose yeah. car it was. So potentially he did do a bit of doctoring there, um, but we'll see probably in another episode. And you see my point now about why it would have been better to hold off that reveal mm. because that wouldn't have been stuck in your mind yeah. at all at this point. He would have been, oh, he's just being a nice. He's a nice partner. He's mm-hmm. helping out. And now it's like, what's he gonna, why, why is he doing that? That's evil. He's doing something bad. We, like, he's not a good guy. But it gives us something to look deeply into True. in our okay. episode. True. Um, f- a couple of notes from me. Uh, obviously, the meeting of Shades and Carl Lucas was really interesting to get to see this in this episode. You get to see Shades butting heads with Carl. Um, he's got his huge beard and his huge hair. So that's possibly a reason why Shades didn't recognize him. Yeah, when he absolutely. Saw the clean shaven, well, clean head shaven, uh, and, uh, goatee wearing, uh, Luke Cage in, uh, in the earlier episodes. That's, that's possible. And then just the last one is that Reva's involved in the creation of Luke Cage. I, I thought that was quite interesting. That is a big change from the comic books. Um, she's the one that sends him in to get, uh, to get the experiment done on her, um, to get him fixed using the machine. Um, that's not the way it would happen in the comic book. He has no choice in this at all. In the comic books, it is that he's choosing to go in for the experiment so that he can get some part of his sentence cut off. So he is complicit in the experiment, but didn't realize how badly it was going to go. In this case, it's Reva going, Dr. Bernstein, you have to use it on him. Uh, he he will die without you doing it. So He'll die uh, either way. He'll die either way, yeah. I thought that was really interesting that she's the one that's involved in it and she's the one that pushed for it. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. No, and I, I, I again, but this then goes back to our previous point so far in this episode. It's like, how involved was she overall in this? Because then this will be, could she be involved in Kilgrave? Could mm-hmm. she have been involved in some other? It just it leads us a great rabbit hole. Yeah. And very interestingly, we may be discussing that in our feedback. John, do you have any final notes? Yeah, uh, I've got a, a few. I think, um, firstly, you know, we have touched on it, but Comanche is introduced here. Mm-hmm. So we do have uh, Thomas Q. Jones, mm-hmm. um, a former NFL uh, player for Arizona Cardinals. Um, I really like the, the, the fact that at the start of this episode, we have Luke Cage in, in prison, just being put in there saying, remember who you are, you're Carl Lucas. And by the end of it, he's forced to change his name to become Luke Cage. I think that's a really nice, uh, sort of juxtapositional bookend, uh, for, for this, uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have him saying sweet Christmas, um, as he punches the wall to, and realizes that his hand can actually destroy brick, stone, and concrete. So mm-hmm. we have his classic phrase here as well. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, actually, Dr. Bernstein, 
it's slightly more good guy than bad guy in this for me. Um, you know, to begin with, I thought he was quite mysterious. You know, he's holding back. Even Luke Cage is saying, what's with this guy? But ultimately, uh, him and Reva seem pretty tight here. And, yeah. um, you know, he's willing to, to help, uh, her out when, Luke Cage is, you know, fatally injured by by um, Comanche and Shades. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's a proper beatdown with some pretty hard kit uh, in their hands. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of cool to see Comanche and Shades in here. They are two members of uh, of the gangs in the comic books that uh, that Luke ends off working with a little bit. Uh, don't want to spoil the comic book storyline from 1974, uh, <laughs> 40 odd years ago. But yes, Comanche and Shades are both both work together and are both known characters in the comic books, which is quite cool to see those those two working together here. Uh, yeah, and I think it's possible because of how they've painted Burstein in here, Doctor Burstein in here, um, that we will see him in a future episode potentially working in Harlem uh, or working with Luke Cage. So yeah, some good uh, some good callouts there. But boys. I think it's time to step in the arena. And deliver our verdict. Yes. Mm. John, do you defend this episode of Luke Cage? Season 1, episode 4, step in the arena. I really like this episode as as an origin. Um, I think whether it is like fantastic or good um, will be dependent on how some of the things thrown in here maybe play out over the rest of the series for me. Um, I, I think there were a lot of questions asked in this, which sometimes, um, I don't know whether they were all necessary or whether they needed to be dropped just in this manner. I don't know. Um, but I do defend this episode of, of Luke Cage. Uh, I'd give it three tiaras and cuffs out of five. Um, I, I mean, there, there was a lot that I liked about this and I think it would have been higher, um, if not for so many kind of, so much mystery, I think. Um, it really needs to deliver on the questions asked here. Otherwise, I think maybe it, it goes back. Uh, for me, but I, I love the nod to the 1970s costume. Absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed the relationship between Squabbles uh, and Luke Cage. Actually, more so than with Reva. Um, I love seeing Shades and Comanche being really, um, evil here uh, and including then the, you know, the sadistic prison guard, Albert Rackham. And I must say, um, he, he's even more intriguing now with, uh, Chris's theory that, you know, is he Diamondback? Is it possible that this man who looked dead is potentially still alive? Because quite frankly, he looks like he could be a pretty vengeful guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just the whole mystery around Seagate. It is really kind of intriguing. Um, as I say, I really liked this episode and it was great to see that Connie Genghis or Genghis Connie, I know that's not her actual name, but it was great to see her alive uh, and being rescued by Luke Cage. And, and the ending where he becomes Luke Cage is really good um, as well. Can and I, I just, can I just say I, quickly, the moment when Connie's husband was standing at the in front of the rubble and saying to Misty that... That he knows his wife was in the in the restaurant just purely because John had said he hopes Connie isn't dead, and we were all kind of going. I think she is definitely gone. 
I felt so bad for her poor husband. I really was expecting him to just break down because we'd said in the first episode, Connie wore the pants in that relationship <laughs> completely. This guy looked like maybe he did the cooking, you know, and that was it. He's a great chef, okay? You know? He made she, great dumplings. And she did everything else, you know. It looked like I, I was I was prepared, preparing myself for another big loss. Uh, so, so well done. Yeah, and so I really liked how he turns around to say I'm Luke Cage, but actually he's still hidden. He really is because he's mm. Carl Lucas. And I think that is... That's a fantastic element to this. Um, okay, I'm saying a lot of great loves and fantastic, but I do think for me um, that there's parts of this that it's great raising these questions. It really is. But mm-hmm. this is a provisional three because I want to see them pay off because yeah. um, I hope they're not... I, I just hope they're not sacrificing Luke Cage's story for the price of the larger arc across the defenders yeah even yeah. though that is good as well but you know that that's that's all i mean if this is the only flashback um it's it's a bit of a problem for me but there are absolutely a ton of stuff in this that i i, I love and mm-hmm. um, but that's the only reason why i'm kind of just marking it down in my own mind and head so Derek, do you defend this episode of luke cage I'm definitely with you on, on it, but I think we've got loads of time left in the series to uh, to explore. I do defend it. What I really like about this episode is how they brought Reva in. This was something I was hoping to see because you have to cover it. You have to cover who Reva is and what the backstory is and the connection with Luke. I thought they played it really well. Doing it over such a long period of time while he's in prison uh, really helped the idea of them building up trust and building up a relationship. Um, it starts off with Luke not trusting anybody, not wanting to get involved in anybody, not even talking to anybody, and ends off with him sitting in a room with Reva finally getting that first kiss with her and um, showing why the relationship, why the two of them would work together and would be together. I thought they did a, a really good job setting the two of them up. Um, also, obviously, bigger connections, some flashbacks to the 70s version of, uh, of Luke Cage. Really great ideas. And yeah, we get some brand new ca- characters in here like Squabbles, uh, who we lose, unfortunately, by the end of the episode. Some really good choices in here. Overall, really do defend the episode and looking forward to more that I'm sure we're going to get some more connections to this, to this backstory of Luke. Uh, we got a bunch more episodes to go, so I'm sure there's going to be more. Chris, finally, do you defend this episode of Luke Cage? I do defend. I think pretty much for both reasons stated, but also I'm very much with John on this as well, is that I want the payoff. I can probably wait to maybe even Iron Fist for some of the payoff. Um, because we know that is coming next. Mm-hmm. So there probably will be some yellow thumb drive level <laughs> of kind of connection, which will be hard to bring in, but it's, they've done weirder things before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to have known the Luke Cage MCU origin. Uh, it was good. It was faithful to a degree, um, while also threading this longer story. Um, but I also like the fact that this was a refreshing pause. To the Cottonmouth story, mm-hmm. which I've already kind of said, how long can you get? I put a gangster up against a guy with unbreakable skin and yeah. guns don't hurt. So potentially this is also now we know how some other powered individuals may come along mm-hmm. that could shades have been put through where the other through these experiments and ended up with powers. Could Racken not be dead and be powered now instead as well? Could he be a diamondback? I, I like this. We hopefully will get the payoff. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. 
Yeah. We usually do get some form. They maybe just leave some threads open. But I think the key bit was it was it was a refreshing change. Maybe early, some might say, but like, like we could have waited to five. Give us like similar to Daredevil, we get the the first part arc and then a the second arc and then the third arc across the series. Um, but this was good and that okay. Let's get it out of the way. Let's show you how this man was powered. But more, we got to know Luke and his personality. We got to know him when he was very despondent. Mm-hmm. He well, he was a cop, so he he follows the rules. That you can infer a lot of pieces on this. Where if he was set up, it was something he didn't do. Then that's why he would have a hate against the world. Yeah. This woman who 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 he adores called Riva, his wife. She brought him out of that. So yes, any woman who brings you out of that level of despair, you would revere them. You would always carry a photo of them in your in your bathroom mirror. Mm-hmm. They, they taught you how to survive again. So by inferring parts of this origin story into the larger knowledge of what we have of Luke Cage, it does come together quite nicely. Absolutely. Absolutely. My only bit is the death. <laughs> They really are playing on the deaths mm-hmm. with the, the for this character. Yes, like, they are more than anyone else. Yeah. Poor like Matt Murdock. He's an orphan, but that he's def- he's up straight by two. Yeah, but no, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, 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 no. You get Luke beats you by four already, and he's just in his first episode. Absolutely, absolutely fair juice to Luke Cage. who didn't really call it out, but. He's in an all-male prison, and he gets the only woman in there. This guy is just incredibly attractive or something. He's it's got the something. Abs. It must yeah. be. Okay, yeah, we have some feedback. I'm going to go into it now. First, over in our group on Facebook. So, in the spoiler post there, we had two bits of feedback. First, from Debbie Fisher. Thank you, Debbie. It's, I didn't like the hair and beard. Glad it was gone by the end of the episode, smiley <laughs> face. I liked finding out about his origin story. Well... Thank you for that feedback. Um, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. I hate beards at the best of times, so I'm glad Luke got rid of his. Hold on. I've got a beard. Come on. <laughs> How many years I've been trying to get you to shave that thing, Chris? It's hipstery. I know. I absolutely loved how his beard and hair got crazier and crazier uh-huh. as his time in prison uh, progressed. I mean, completely agree. It was great that he it was all shaved off um by the end his hair and his beard um you can see that Reva liked the fact that it was all shaved off True. as well presumably maybe he'd done his chest as well and a bit <laughs> of uh gardening well the, the but, whole uh, blade just goes all the way off well i have to say that is the cool thing like that's it's something i never even thought about can you think about it what it would be like, guys, if you have to shave and you don't have to use any shaving cream or yep. any products at all to keep your skin smooth. It's <laughs> So you can just put a razor right against it and shave it perfectly because you don't have to worry about taking care of your unbreakable skin. How cool is that? That's very cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, absolutely loved how it went crazier and crazier mm-hmm. in the episode, but it was great that it was shaved off by the end. Definitely. I loved the bit where he had it all t- plaited back. At one point for the first fight. Yeah, that was quite cool. Wasn't oh, it? it was even yeah. called out by Reggie. Yeah. I was like, oh, he likes your hair tied back. <laughs> I also like that Reggie called out, uh, when was the last time you showered and got yeah. your beard? <laughs> like trying to take care of him, but not working. So our next piece of feedback came from Dave Horrocks, and it's absolutely love the costume callback to the comics. Can't believe they managed to pull off the tiara. Well, Dave, did they? They did. Did they? Yes, they okay. did. But the chin strap... Back to the chin strap. But they took yeah, off the, the chin strap. Yeah, yeah, they took that off and he had he had the tiara 
the yellow blouse and the cuffs and the beard. He even said he looked like a damn fool. He did. Yeah. But that's an in-story reason why he doesn't dress like that all the time. So that's good. That's a good thing. Totally with you, Dave, on that. Fantastic. And of course, actually, Debbie, as well, it was having the origin. It was really good Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Debbie actually replied to Dave's comment as well and said, oh, yeah, I thought that was so funny. The wristbands reminded me of Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't think about it, but yeah, yeah. Didn't he used to use them to deflect things at one point? Uh, Potentially. I can't really remember what he used them for. Style. Yeah, (laughs) style. Because he had his pick-your-nose collars. He had his uh, kind of, what, flirt boots as Mm -hmm. well. Like, he was... Fashionable. Yes, it just couldn't have continued outside of the 70s, that's all. No. That's all coming back. Fashion is cyclical, as they say. Our final piece of feedback comes from Kale Hensley, who sent an email in to us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com, just like you can if you want to send us any detailed thoughts about the episodes. Uh, he starts off with, hey guys, thanks for taking the time to contemplate my message. Love the show. First off, episode four was amazing in all capital letters. Full-on 70s power man with the cuffs, tiara, yellow shirt, beard, and chain belt. Just great. Although his fake hair and beard were quite absurd, says Gail. Uh, anyways, I've had a theory since the end of Jessica Jones that ties most of the Defenders together that, I'm, that I feel took another big leap forward in this episode. The theory stems from the file JJ gets from Hellcat's mom near the end of the season with the letters IGH printed on the front. That's the yellow USB stick we've been talking about during this episode. Uh, I believe IGH is ultimately responsible for Jessica Jones, Daredevil and Luke Cage all getting their powers. It's more or less a proven fact that whatever they were hauling when Jessica Jones's family crashed into them was the source of her powers. I believe it could have possibly been another variation of the substance that Matt Murdock got in his eyes. I believe IGH is the private owner of Seagate Prison as well. And they were experimenting on the prisoners. The purpose of these experiments, as well as the mysterious substances, was to create the ultimate weapon. Who is always after the ultimate weapon, says Kale. The hand. Yep. I think that not only is IGH responsible for at least three of our defenders gaining powers, but I also think the H in IGH may just stand for the hand. As for the new evidence, we see in this episode Reva, Luke's future dead wife, has the thumb drive that was central to the Jessica Jones plot. That drive didn't just have dirt on Purple Man's origins, it had info about other neurological trials. Trials that most likely have something to do with IGH. What do you guys think? I wish I had Jessica Jones more fresh in my mind to provide stronger evidence and details, but I definitely don't think I'm grasping at straws. In fact, the part I doubt doubt the most is that IGH and the hand are connected. I sort of came to this conclusion after a while of considering everything and the fact that the defenders are presumably facing off against the hand in their series. Thanks, Kale. Thank you, Kale, so much for that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know that when we were podcasting on Jessica Jones, we, and certainly I think at the time, the Inhumans were coming into S.H.I.E.L.D., so Mm -hmm. we wondered whether that was Inhuman growth hormone was IGH, but that being said, yeah, there's a lot of connections there with regards to Seagate, with regards to each of the the defenders we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. Um, The H most definitely... Uh, could stand for hand. We know that the hand in, in that, uh, defenders promo at San Diego Comic Con, uh, is there, uh, grasping out, as, as we've said previously, at all of the defenders. The ultimate weapon aspects to, to your theory as well. So this, 
it sounds really good and really plausible. And in fact, probably our inhuman growth hormone is probably less probable unless maybe that is the liquid being used by the hand to try and bring about their ultimate weapon. Maybe. And maybe they think it is an inhuman that is the ultimate weapon. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's, there's loads of different kind of angles that you could look at this from. So, I mean, I just can't wait to see what happens and yeah i'm totally with you like the whole uh 70s power man as with the other feedback perfect mm-hmm. you've got my brain uh melted. yeah melted i just think about it the power that luke got was from a bath mm-hmm. so that bath could just be a bath of that fluid yeah, that that was electrified and that kind of gave him the skin. I really like this idea. I really yeah. do. Great job, Kel. Um, and I know we've had a little bit of mentions of it throughout this podcast, but I can assure you, we didn't actually read your feedback before yeah. the episode started. So, uh, so it does kind of tie in with some of the things we were talking about in the full podcast as well. Yeah. So, uh, but really interesting to tie it all together right the way back to uh, Daredevil uh, getting blinded by the uh, by a liquid uh, yeah. which had never been shown what that what caused it uh, no. no nothing ever actually said it yeah uh, there was the, the truck episodes. in front of jessica jones's parents car mm-hmm. um just before they crashed yeah, yeah. there's that and, and then, again yeah. not completed in any of the 13 episodes you didn't see the full crash didn't see exactly nope. what happened so uh, yeah yeah so it's just maybe how the hand and well and iron fist comes into this because i i think um iron fist potentially is different mm-hmm. yeah um but nonetheless you know, three of the four, three of the four, and you know he is an ultimate weapon mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I agree with Kel. I think that the only bit I'm trying to figure out is the hand. Mm-hmm. I don't think the H is the hand. I think it's more probable that this is either, as you said, they are funding it to create kind of ultimate weapons. Yeah, or the hand is separated out of this, and this is more around potentially the Captain America Super Soldier Serum kind of recreation, and that's where all these baths, chemicals, experiments come from. Yeah. Um, but the people behind these experiments could be the Hand and Hydra. Absolutely. It could be, oh, my God, IGH. Hydra. I, I think, think we probably I went there. We yes, probably we probably went, went there. We have been we there. Have been yeah, there. yeah, no, yeah. we've oh, definitely been there. there. And Hydra is in... The Immortal Iron Fist storyline, yes. but I mean, not so much with Jessica Jones's or yeah. Luke Cage's backstory, and, and certainly not sort of the earlier Iron Fist stories from what I remember. I'm certainly not so much in the Marvel TV universe anymore. No. They're kind of gone. Um, Hydra can pretty you much ever gone. kill Hydra? Nope. Cut off a head and two more will take its place, of course. Yeah, uh, of course. yeah that is true. Um, or it could be International Group Hand. It could be, it could be, or the H could stand oh, for Hogarth. Or it could be Hammer. Hammer Internationale Gruppe Hammer. It could be the Spanish arm. It could be the Spanish arm of the French Hammer. Loads, loads of great ideas there. Uh, Loads of not so great ideas as well, <laughs> but we certainly need some time, more time to think mm-hmm. on this bombshell feedback. But it's a great theory, and I'm I love it because certainly in Jessica Jones we were wondering about the file and the the yellow USB, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that I mean it sounds really really good. I love that you used your Miss Mythbusters term as 
plausible. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. Well, thanks so much for your feedback, Kel, and thanks for everybody that sent in feedback. Uh, again, you can pop in your feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or you can leave a voicemail over on our over on our website, DefendersTVPodcast.com. No voicemails just yet, but we're only in the first weekend of recording our podcasts as we release them over the weeks. Some breaking news that we didn't know about when we recorded this episode is that we're going to be going to the cinema to go and see the Doctor Strange preview. It's 15 minutes of IMAX 3D footage. Uh, we'll be going to see that on the 11th, uh, the day this podcast is released. Uh, so we're going to put out a bit of a spoiler-free discussion about that, uh, the footage that's going to be shown at that event. And we'll be returning to Luke Cage next week on the 18th of October with Just to Get a Rep. Looking forward to that. Yeah, can't wait. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening, and again, thank you so much for all the feedback. We'll be coming in your ears on the 14th of October. Time to get out of the arena. I'm gone. Bye. Me too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Defenders TV Podcast, a TV podcast industries production. Our theme tunes provided by the wonderful Mississippi McDonald and the Cottonmouth Kings. If you want to help out the podcast and you've enjoyed listening to us, there's some really easy ways to do it. If you can share our episodes through your social media channels like Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, or Google+, that gets some extra listeners into us. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes or a rating, just leave a five-star rating, click the button, or go to iTunes through DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. We'll take you straight to our page and leave us a review or a rating there. That always helps out independent podcasts. And also, as always, we love to hear your feedback about the show's interaction with our audience is what we really, really love. So you can send us feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.